0: Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's word and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's word together. Well, my name is Nate and I get to serve here as the lead pastor of Awaken Church. And one of the ways that I get to serve you all is by bringing God's word to you. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, uh, the verses will all be up on the screen as well. but. Uh, it is good to be with you guys. And I want to look in that camera as I always do and welcome everybody who's joining us online. Uh, we're so excited that you're joining us. We know you can't physically be here, but we know that you're here in spirit. And I know we've got people watching all across the United States. And so it is so good that we're we are able to harness technology to make them part of our awakened Church family. And so I'm excited that we get to use that. And I'm excited to start off this new series called Security Blanket. And it is all about our finances. And some of you are like, well, it looks like I'm going to miss out on the series for the next couple of weeks. Like I'm good to go. Some of you are like, "Church, all they ever want is my money." You know, like you're like, "I'm not even going to invite my friends right now." Like this is the this why are we doing this? Well, I give you a lot of statistics and things about why we're talking about money. Uh, I could tell you that Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Like this is a big deal. And I hope that after this series, you will see why it was such a big deal. And so, I would encourage you that if you hear anything, you can email me. But ultimately what I'm going to tell you in return is go talk to God about it because he wrote this book that we're setting. And so um, he's he's got a bunch of truths in here and I'm excited about the series. I think and believe this will be a very impactful series for our church. And so um, the series is called Security Blanket. And the idea of this came from a reminder of my kids and uh, some of the things that I think that they find security in. But I want to open up by asking you this question. How many of you growing up had to go to bed with your favorite blanket or stuffed animal? You can raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't be like the first service where you're too cool to admit it, all right? How many of you still have it? Some of you really dropped your hands quick. Okay, there you go. (laughs) You might have some kids that have their favorite blankets or stuffed animals that they go to bed with that night as well, and uh, maybe you can think about those kinds of things. I know for me, I was reminded I have three boys, Brody, Asher, Dawson, and they all have their favorite stuffed animal. And uh, I was just going to bring one today. My oldest son, Brody, his Pooh Bear. uh, He loves this thing. But the other two, because they just started school, I think they think today is just show and tell. Like we're all just kind of going back and I got to show everybody everything. So I brought him here today. And so this is my oldest son's Pooh Bear. It's eight years old. And uh, it's, I think Pooh Bear says he's made a fluff. This one is losing his fluff. So we'll, but Pooh Bear's been on a lot of journeys, a lot of traveling. We'll just kind of put Pooh Bear there. He's a little shy. He's been shy these last few services. So he's just looking down. My youngest son, Dawson, this is Duckus. (laughs) Duckus, now I want you to know, before I brought them out here, uh, Dawson took his duck and he said, Duckus, I watched him, he, he held Duckus, and he says, Duckus, it's gonna be okay, the people are nice, it's gonna be a lot of fun, you'll be safe, love you, and he kissed him right on the forehead. Like, that's the pep talk he gave Duckus today. But Duckus has a beak problem and not a whole lot of stuff, and it used to be yellow. So there's Duckus there. He just kind of is a ball now. Um, And then this is Asher, my middle son's bear, probably the best in shape looking stuffed animal we have. He takes very good care of all of his stuff. But this was a bear that my mom gave him right before she died. And it was the last stuffed animal he ever got from her. And so it's called Nuna Bear because that was what her name was. Her name was Nuna. And so he's got his Nuna Bear. And Nuna Bear, I think, could sit, but I'm afraid he will collapse. So we'll just lay him down. He's a chill bear. But these are my kids' favorite stuffed animals. And maybe when you see these, you're reminded of your favorite stuffed animal or blanket, or maybe you're reminded of your child's stuffed animal or blanket. But these stuffed animals give us great insight into the complexity 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 of the human soul. Whether you know this or not, your souls are sticky. They want to cling to things. They want to hold on to things. Now, how do I know this? Have you ever tried to take a stuffed animal away from your kid too soon? Right? They don't want any of it. They don't have it. Right? I know. For me, I remember uh, Brody was two years old, and uh, we were gonna. My wife and I, we were about to have Asher. It was the night before. And uh, we got Brody all packed up, got his bags packed and dropped him off. We had to be at the hospital at like four in the morning. So we dropped him off at the friend's house and thought we got everything. We're like, all right, you're all packed up. You're ready to go tomorrow morning. You're going to have a little baby brother. It's going to be so great. And we leave him there and we go to bed and our friends didn't want to wake us up or anything. But what we had forgotten was we forgot Pooh Bear. And they knew that no one in that house was going to get any sleep unless Brody had that Pooh Bear. So what they did is they went to Walmart, they bought the Pooh Bear, and I have a picture of Brody with all his Winnie the Pooh characters and him right in the middle with that new Pooh. Like, that is just how he was. He had to have that Pooh Bear because they knew no one was going to get sleep unless he had that stuffed animal. And maybe for you, that's happened to you before. Maybe your kids won't go to sleep because they don't have their favorite stuffed animal or you forgot it somewhere or maybe it was being clean because it was a little dirty and you were like no one's going to get to sleep unless they have that stuffed animal. It's amazing the powerful insight that our souls can have on a stuffed animal. But as we grow and as we mature, hopefully we let our stuffed animals go and we move on from those things so we can pat ourselves on the back and go this is great. I've grown up, I've matured, I don't need this security anymore. And we move on from those things and we may let our blankets and stuffed animals go, but we just find new blankets, new stuffed animals to put our security in. We find things that are a little bit more socially acceptable. We find things that are a little cooler, a little bit more on trend. And we put our security in those things. Because there's a part of the human soul that is on a search for security. And that's really what we're going to be talking about in this series. That's why we've called it Security Blanket. Where is our security placed? Because whether you realize this or not, we're all on a search for security. And oftentimes in the New Testament, Jesus ties our relationship with our money and our stuff to our relationship with God. And so today, the the title of the message is Anchor for Our Life. And the big question that we're going to try to answer today is what is the anchor for your life? And is it truly the life that Jesus invites us to live? In fact, I've got three things for us to point to to answer this question. The first one is we stockpile what's valuable. We stockpile what's valuable. Had you turn to Matthew chapter six, if you have a Bible, you could read there. If not, we'll have the verses on the screen. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this section of verses, what we're reading here is we're really just coming kind of in the middle of one of Jesus's famous sermon series. It's a sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is sitting on this hillside and he's got his disciples all gathered around him and he's talking to him and he's teaching them, And he might be getting a little fiery and talking about some things. And so people start coming around and they listen and they get closer and they're starting to lean in a little bit to what Jesus is talking about. And this crowd is growing and growing and growing. And Jesus is talking about how to live life right in relationship with God. And so here we come, I had you come in the middle of this sermon on the mound, in the middle of Jesus' sermon, and what he's addressing here is this very normal human tendency for all of us to treasure things. Now in verse 19, when Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, the word lay up means to hoard or to stockpile. Basically, Jesus is saying, having possessions isn't bad. I could imagine him saying, hey, having the latest donkey, you need that to get around. It's okay to have that. Oh, your, your sandals are falling apart. It's okay to get some new sandals every now and then. Like you should have those things. I like think Jesus would talk to us and say, hey, you know, it's okay for you to have a car, a house. You should have clothes. You'll get arrested if you don't. So it's okay to buy some clothes and have some. Those things are good. And Jesus is not saying that having possessions is bad, but our possessions having us is bad. Because Jesus knew that we would be on the lookout for things in life to grab onto and that things, money and stuff and all of that will become more important to us than our relationship with God. We all look in this life for things to grab onto. For some of us, we treasure things or grab onto things that have a memory attached to it or some meaning or comfort. And we treasure those things. I think I would also say that we treasure things because of the security we think they offer us. Just like I mentioned earlier with my kids sleeping with these stuffed animals. We all have the tendency to, uh, for our souls to grip onto things that we think will offer us security. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at and teach us here in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about our tendency to grab hold of things, to treasure things for the security they offer us. But those things, money, stuff, they don't actually give us security. They give us a false sense of security. Jesus is telling us that treasures on earth are temporary. They're not going to last. There's no security in them. They can be destroyed. They can be stolen from us. I think it's really funny that all my kids find security in these stuffed animals. They think these stuffed animals at the end of the day is going to protect them. I think that's funny. And I think Jesus, our heavenly father, looks down at us as kids and goes, I think that's really cute that you think that that's going to give you some security. I think that's funny you think you're going to be stable over there. I don't know if you've ever been ripped off before by someone. Maybe somebody broke into your house once or twice or your car a few times. I know for me, my house growing up, it was broken into a few different times. And I remember when my stuff was stolen from me, the first thing that came to my mind was, hey, that's mine. You can't steal that from me. It belongs to me. But that's what happens when we treasure things on earth. They can be destroyed and they can be stolen from us. But guess what? When we lay up treasures in heaven, no one can steal them. They don't wear out. They don't rust. They don't get mold on them. They're actually waiting for us. Because the reality is every single one of us, we all have an exchange date coming in our lives. It's the day that we stop living here on earth and we all will see Jesus face to face. And the statistics are pretty high on this one. In fact, it says one out of one people die. So it's going to happen. And only a fool would go through life unprepared for something they know is inevitable. See, in light of eternity, the wealth that you have, you will leave here on this earth. I've heard it said many times before, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Meaning that when you die, you can't take all of your possessions, all your wealth with you. It will stay here on earth. No one can bring that into heaven. Heaven and hell don't have bank accounts. They don't have parking garages. What you have won't change your circumstances when you die. No amount of possessions gives you a better or worse position in eternity. But you can send that wealth ahead of you. You might be thinking, well, how do I send that wealth ahead? I want to know. Well, it's every sacrifice that you make for the kingdom of God. It's every dollar that you tithe or give above and beyond. It's, it's every prayer that you pray. It's the gospel that you share. It's forgiving others. It's loving your enemies more than you love yourself. It has a lot to do with money. Yes, but it has so much more to do than just money. It's every single sacrifice you do for the glory of God. That results in treasures in heaven. Listen, if your soul is anchored to the economy of this earth, the reality is it will fail, it will collapse, and it will fade away. But you can change all of that by storing up treasures in heaven. But what does that mean? How do you do it? Because we can often hear about it. You might even joke about it. Hey, you're just working for the Lord, storing up those treasures in heaven. Hey, you're over here, just store up those treasures in heaven. You're working for free, just store up those treasures in heaven. What does that actually mean? Does it mean that we're just going to have a giant swimming pool full of gold coins and one day we're just going to dive into it and swim all around? Does it mean we're going to have big mansions or things like that? I don't know. But I do know when I read the Bible, it tells us that uh, the streets will be made of gold. So it seems like to me, God uses money more as construction material than actually the wealth that it brings us. And so I don't think it has so much to do with the money and the mansions and the things like that. I think it has more to do with the souls that we invest in. You'll see it on our tithe boxes here. You'll hear us talk about it often that souls are the best way to invest Meaning that I think, how cool would it be? One day you're walking those streets of gold and you're chilling with Moses. You've really got to know him, so you're calling him Mo, you know? Like, hey, Mo. Maybe you're walking with Peter. You're walking with Paul and you're like, what is that thorn in the flesh? What was it? And you're just walking, you're having this conversation and somebody walks up to you and they're like, thank you. And you're like, for what? What did I do? And like, thank you for that prayer that you prayed. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for forgiving this person because you forgave this person. You showed the love of Jesus, which opened up the gospel to my life. Thank you for sharing the gospel. Thank you for your investment in Awaken Church. Because of that, I got to know Jesus. That's a treasure in heaven. That's a treasure that won't rust or fade away or mold or get disgusting. Like that is a treasure in heaven. You know, if you're a believer here today, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus here on earth, but that relationship is not fully realized until you see him face to face. That's a treasure, spending all of eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, we could focus all of our efforts in earthly treasure, or we could tether our hearts to heaven. And I believe that we're living in a time more than ever where people are on a hunt for security. They're trying to find that thing that'll make them stable, that'll be steady, that they can hold on to because they feel like everything is out of control you know, as I was preparing this message over the last several weeks, and I just want to thank Pastor AJ and Pastor Devon for teaching us over the last several weeks. I appreciate them, and I think it's important, yeah, I think it's important that we have other leaders, our pastors, speaking into the life of the church. I think that's crucial, and that's important, because the Lord doesn't only just speak to me. He speaks through other people as well, and so I'm thankful for them, but it gave me some time to prepare for this series and this set of messages, and as I was preparing for this, I found a book by a psychologist named Jean Twang, and the title of her book may go down as the longest title in all of book history, and the title is this, I, Jen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood, and What That Means for the Rest of Us. That's a long title, right? <laughs> But it's an intriguing book, and I was reading some of it, and I know it's on my read list to read a little bit more about it. But this book is all about the challenges that Generation Z, or what she's coined as iGen, people born in the age of the Internet. So anybody born from 1995 to uh, 2012, it's all the challenges that Generation Z are facing. And what she's pointing out is Generation Z is at the greatest risk for anxiety and depression than any previous generation. And it's one of the and, and she points out many different reasons for this but one of the main reasons why she points this out is because the word safe has been declared over this generation more than any previous generation. They've heard the word you got to keep safe. You got to stay safe. Safe, safe, safe. It's become the mantra of this generation, which has made them the safest generation we have on record. I gen or Gen Z are less likely to get in car accidents. They're less likely to binge drink they're less likely to move out. They're less likely to try something new. They're less likely to interact with people who have different opinions than them, which is where cancel culture is coming from because it feels unsafe to them. This generation has been brought up constantly on guard and constantly on the lookout for potential threats. Now, it's easy for most of us to go, well, that just doesn't apply to me because I'm not born in that age. Like, I'm good to go, but I would argue differently. I would say that 2020, after 2020, we could all relate with being on this hunt for security. What can I put my hope in? Where can I find my stability? How can I stay safe? How can I stay on guard? How can I stay protected? Because listen, if you put your security in anything outside of Jesus, that all got shaken in 2020. Healthcare got shaken. Job market got shaken. The financial systems got shaken your retirement got shaken. It all got shaken in 2020. And so for some of us, we've reverted back to being a toddler again. And we're going, where's my Pooh Bear? Where's my Duckus? Where's my nuna Bear? I got to find something. I got to hold on to something for the security that we think it brings us. And I believe this is what Jesus is speaking into. We're all on this treasure hunt looking for security. And Jesus is telling us, don't store up treasures on earth. Don't allow your search for security to be found in the things of this world. See, Jesus isn't just ragging on treasuring altogether. He isn't saying, "Hey, you need to grow up. You need to let go of some of that stuff. You need to let go of that poo bear a little bit. You need to move on with your life." Said what he's saying is, you need to redirect your treasuring. Store up treasures in heaven. Those treasures can't be shaken, and they can't be taken. Jesus here is contrasting, not critiquing, treasuring. And so in our search for security, we have to ask ourselves, what are we stockpiling? How do we know what our souls are anchored to? Well, here's the second big idea. Our blessings can become our blankets. Our blessings can be blankets, now, Jesus, I'm going to have us turn to Luke chapter 12. You can turn there if you want, or the verses will be up on the screen. But in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a parable. And he says something very similar to what he says in Matthew chapter 6. And I think this parable really brings to light everything that we're going to be talking about in the series and specifically today. In verse 13, Jesus says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Verse 16. And he told him this parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, those will they be, or whose will they be? So is this... So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And then Jesus says this in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's this guy. He got a lot of stuff. And he had this abundant harvest. And because of this abundant harvest, he had to build larger barns and bigger houses for it. Now we've got to kind of take a time machine here for just a minute. We've got to go back in time and think 2,000 years ago. Because when you had an abundant harvest 2,000 years ago, it meant only one thing. You've been blessed. Not only have you been blessed, but you've been blessed by God. Because you've got to think, this is long before complex irrigation systems were invented. This is before pesticides were even around. When you had an abundant harvest 2,000 years ago, there was one real explanation for it. You've been blessed by God. You were blessed. You got enough rain. You got enough water. The soil did what it needed to do. locusts all stayed away. You've been blessed. Now, how interesting is it to me that this man, after receiving this abundant harvest from God, a blessing he could not control, a blessing that was more than he had ever experienced in his entire life, he goes to his soul. He's like, Saul, we're good. We don't need God. We're good to go. We can kick back, relax. We've got it made. Let's retire. Let's take it easy. Let's have the time of our life. And Jesus says, This man's a fool because he was going to die that night. He wasn't going to enjoy any of his money, any of his wealth. And then he goes, Who's going to have all your stuff? See, this man's security blanket was his new barn, it was this abundant harvest that he had. His blessing became his blanket. The things that God provided for this man out of his kindness, out of his grace, became this man's hope and his future. God blessed him not just for this guy to live extravagantly, live how he wants to live. He provided for him so that he could provide for the people around him and his community. But he decided to have a conversation with his soul and he goes, soul, we're good to go. We don't need to do any of this. Let's protect it. Let's hoard it up. Let's lay up for ourselves these treasures. Let's hold on to it, guard it. Let's anchor down and build beggar barns. Let's guard it and make sure nothing happens to it and we're going to be okay. My question for many of us here today, what we need to ask ourselves is Has our blessing become our blanket? Either the blessing that we currently have or the blessing that we hope to have. Has it become your blanket? This man thought he knew his future. He thought his life was good to go. But Jesus made it very clear that true life doesn't come from the abundance of things. True life doesn't even come and bring security. Because this man wasn't going to be able to enjoy his wealth for even one night. He was going to die that night. He had a false view of life and death. He thought life was all about accumulating things and death was far away. But death would be immediate. And the fact that it was going to happen was beyond his control. Now, this could be a hard parable for us to listen to and read. I'm sure if I walked around and did Bible inspection, I guarantee you a lot of us don't have a lot of things highlighted in Luke chapter 12. You might want to skip over it. Because what we're realizing when we read this is that we are this man. And Jesus calls this man a fool. And we're like, yikes, Jesus. Seems a little harsh. Calling him a fool? Because fool is one of those terms we would rather not apply to ourselves. But how many times do we act like this man in Luke chapter 12? How many times do we tear down perfectly good barns to build bigger ones up? How many times do we, like this man, get greedy or feel entitled to certain things? See, as we look at our world and we read about what's happening, where does our attention move toward? How many of us see wealth and think of the security it offers us over trusting Jesus as our provider? We say things, well, like if I have enough, if I could just be like, if I could just get enough of this stuff, then I'm going to be okay. We say things just like this man does. For just a minute, I want you to listen to a couple articles I pulled out of the news this week. And I want you to be like this man in this parable. I want you to say, soul, how do you feel about this? What an article that I found this week said, Nothing is simple about your August child's tax credit. Burrito brawl. Chipotle employee hurls scissors at customer after he makes complaint. Better be careful when you go to Chipotle. <laughs> Haiti earthquake occurred along the same fault line as the one in 2010. U.S. stocks waiver after job loss. When you heard those headlines, what your soul have to say? Soul, we got to get check on that August tax credit. Soul, I'm going to button up when I go to Chipotle. <laughs> Did you think about fear, politics, finances? I'm going to read a few more. This headline comes from Romans chapter 15. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Another headline from Psalm 73. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. A headline from John 16 says, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, here's the point to this exercise. Maybe you heard those headlines and you were kind of up and down and kind of going, I don't know what to think about this. Maybe your soul started thinking about your finances or your wealth. And you're like, I'm going to have to do some checking up on some things. Maybe you heard those verses that I read to you and you're like, well, it doesn't really do much for me anymore. I mean, you know, when I was the first a Christian or when I was younger and walking with the Lord, they had some sort of impact, but now it's more in ear and one out the other, and everything goes out the other ear. It doesn't really have much an effect on me anymore. If that's where you're at, it could be that you treasure, that your treasures are more anchored to this earth than to heaven. But maybe for you It's the opposite. Maybe you heard those headlines and you were just as steady as can be. You're like, I care about the politics. I care about my finances. You should. Those are good things. You should care about those things. As Christians, I believe we should care about those things. But you're like, look, we're all marching to one point in history, and that's when Jesus is coming back, so I'm as steady as can be. But you're like, those verses, they were so refreshing. I need to be reminded that Jesus is my joy and my strength. I need to remember that he has overcome this world. There will be times in your life when you walk with Jesus. There will be days and seasons and times where you'll be tempted to be more anchored to this earth than to heaven. But by God's grace, if you stay sensitive to him, from time to time, we'll have to shift our lives to be more anchored to heaven. So we need to be careful that our blessings don't become our blankets. And here's the third and final thought for us today. And it's what you see is what you treasure. What you see is what you treasure. And we're going to jump back to Matthew chapter six. And I'm going to read starting in verse 19, again, just for context, but we're going to pay attention to verses 22 and 23. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Pay attention here. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now I've been reading the Bible for a very long time. I've just recently read through Matthew and I skimmed that whole verse, 22 and 23. I don't even remember it being in there. And I think for many of us, we could easily read this and some of us might be like, is this new? Like, did they like add something? Like, that's not supposed to happen. Because this could get lost on us a little bit and we could just easily just keep breezing on right past it. We're like, we're like, well, what do our eyes have to do with what we treasure? What does this have to do with our money and what we value? Because the people in this time listening to Jesus tell this parable or or tell this sermon on the mount here, they understood fully what Jesus was talking about here. Jesus isn't telling us, hey, you need to have a healthy eye exam. But he's talking about whatever you're looking at is illuminating your soul. Your eyes are considered to be the lamp. They're the light of your body, the window to your soul. See, what Jesus is making sure we understand is that what you look at is what you treasure. We can say it another way. Whatever has your gaze will have your grasp. Your eyes define your treasure, but then your treasure will lead your heart. And so where our eyes are focused on has a lot to do with where our treasure lies. So what do we do when we know that our gaze might be a little bit off? When we're, when we're uh, needing to adjust that and get more our, our, our eyes fixed on the treasures in heaven, what do we do? What are some practical steps we could take? Well, one way to guard your eyes is when it comes to our screen time. What you look at hours upon hours every single day is influencing, forming, and shaping your soul. Your screen time is telling you what you treasure. And so as you're flipping through your news feed or social media... As you're on Amazon looking for things you need to buy or home improvements, or you say you're checking your email, but you're really looking for the next vacation because you got to get out of there. You know, like you're, you're constantly looking on your screen. Whatever you are looking at, Jesus is telling us is forming molding and shaping your soul. And what your soul is attached to is where your heart and your eternal life will eventually go. So we need to be smart about how we use our screens. Here's what I would encourage you to do this week. Decrease your screen time. In fact, just uh, at nine o'clock every Sunday, I get a report. It tells me my weekly screen time, whether it's up or down and what I'm looking at. Look and see what your screen time is. Look at all the apps that you're looking at. If you're on YouTube for five hours, you might need to tone that down a little bit. If you're on Amazon for 10 hours, you might need to have a lot of counseling, and a lot of help, all right? We, we could tone that down a little bit. If you're on Instagram for three hours a day, listen, stop being on Instagram. Tone it down a little bit. Start taking mental pictures of your family and and what's going on around you. Stop looking at other people live their life and start paying attention to your own life. So tone that down a little bit. Listen, you might be looking at home improvements or your vacation, the stock market, your investments. All those things are fine. It's okay to be on Instagram. It's okay to be on YouTube. It's okay for all of that stuff. But listen, what you look at. Will lead your heart. It's what you will want. And it can lead you to an unhealthy place. Here's another practical step. Adjust your eyes to uh, another practical step to adjust your eyes. Look to Jesus. You might be like, well, duh. Seems like a kind of an obvious one. Like, you're a pastor. Shouldn't you say that? Like, look to Jesus. But sometimes it's the most obvious things that we miss. Jesus is the best thing to look to for joy, satisfaction, for security, for stability, for peace. Our world would love to tell you, hey, you can buy this car or you could go on this vacation or you can have these kinds of things or you can do this or that and you can buy all this stuff and you can accumulate all this stuff and you can have it and you will find joy, peace, happiness, satisfaction, security, all for the low, low price of your soul. And sure, you might find some security and some peace and some stability in those things and you might find some joy, but it's only temporary. It's not going to last. Jesus is better than all of those things. Jesus will give you what your soul is longing for. Jesus is better than all of that. And if you look to Jesus, the natural leading of your heart will be to long for him more and more. So how do you look to Jesus? Well, You open up God's word. You spend some time worshiping him. You don't just go, well, that's a Sunday thing. No, it should be an everyday thing. Begin to uh, get regular rhythms in your life. Cultivate those in your life where you're opening up God's word. You're worshiping him. You're spending time in his presence. And what you're actually going to find out is you're going to lose your taste for the things of this world. And you're going to gain an appetite for the things of God's kingdom you're gonna find that your heart is more anchored to things that are eternal, to the things that can't be shaken and can't be taken. And lastly, the way to adjust your eyes is gather with God's people. Have people in your life who are telling stories of answered prayers. Have people in your life who are telling you, hey, I'm in this struggle right now, but here is how God is meeting me in the midst of this struggle. Get people around you who are helping you make sure that you are tethered to the right place. Get people around you. You can tell about the struggles, the joys, the hardships. If you're more anchored to this earth so they could come alongside of you and help you and challenge you and get you tethered to the right place. You need God's people around you. And you might think, well, I don't know anybody. I'm new. I got nobody around me. Good news. We've got Awakened Group signups going on right now. We have many people who are opening up their homes who are saying, I want to walk with you through life. I want you to be able to learn from me and I want to learn from you. We've got so many different groups meeting at all different days of the week, nights of the week. We have a lot of Jesus-loving groups. And so if you have no Jesus-loving people around you, you better go out to that Connect uh, uh, Center out there and you better find some Jesus-loving people. You can go out there and be like, I don't have Jesus-loving people and I need some. And they will get you connected to a group. Listen, these, these aren't things that I know we all live busy lives. We work, we have kids, we've got practices, we've got home improvements, other things going on. We've got a myriad of things going on. And you're like, man, this just feels like more to do. But listen, I know that God will begin to loosen that grip of things that aren't producing life in you and attach you to the things that are if you do some of these steps. So where's your heart anchor today? Because your heart is wherever you put your money and your time. In fact, Jesus closes this section of verses with verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Wherever you put your money is where your heart is going to go. You could say you love Jesus all day long, But if you're not spending any time with Jesus, well, maybe you don't love him as much as you think you love him. The reason why the Bible talks so much about money is because God knew for many of us, money would be the number one competitor for our hearts. Because money promises only what God can provide. See, Jesus uses money as a tool to reveal our true priorities. But he also uses it to show us who or what we trust. See, there are lots of things that we can easily trust God with. We can easily trust God that the sun's gonna set tonight and the moon's gonna come up and illuminate the sky. We're gonna go to sleep, and when we wake up, the sun will rise again. It's easy to trust God with the changing of seasons. We know that this gross hot summer is gonna be coming to an end, and fall time is just around the corner. And for many of us, that means the leaves changing, pumpkin spice lattes are coming back. Jacket time, football, pizza, my favorite holidays are coming, Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's easy to trust God with the good stuff. It's a whole other story to trust God with our finances. I know for me, as I look back on my life, it's obvious that God has never left my side. It's obvious that God's always provided for me. I mean, it, He promises it in his word. He'll never leave us or forsake us, that we don't have to worry about these things. He takes care of His creation. Why would He not take care of us? And so we have these promises, and it's obvious that God has always kept His promises, but when money challenges come up in my life, it's easy for me to fall right back into stress, panic and fear and go, "Where's my pooh bear? Where's my duckus? Where's my nuna bear? I need some security right now. I need some comfort. Where are they?" but that's not the life Jesus calls us to live. He wants us to look to him and to hold on to him for our security. Amen? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash mystory.